Welcome to Kuden, the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. Hosted by Shidoshi Jeffrey Miller and Black Belt Eric White. Shidoshi Miller is a 12th degree black belt and master instructor of Warrior Concepts International in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. Shidoshi Miller's martial arts career spans over 25 years and has taken him around the world to train with some of the world's best martial arts masters. Eric White has been a student of Shidoshi Miller's for five years and holds a second degree black belt. Together, they will answer your questions, discuss techniques, history, and current issues important to you, the self-defense-minded citizen and the practicing martial artist. Submit your questions by email to warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. Welcome to our seventh episode of Kuden. Thank you for joining us. I'm Eric White here with Shidoshi Miller again to talk about some great topics this time. We've got uh, handgun training and combat handgun training. What's the difference between the two? Also, the Sanshin no Kata and what is Eye of the Tiger? Big topics to tackle. Today? Now? Yeah. Because I better pull out my notes, huh? <laughs> I hope you're ready. Uh, me too. <laughs> Let's see if I can seriously underimpress today. Big differences between handgun training and combat training. Combat yes. handgun training. Yes, huge. We're talking one word, but well, you know, um, I I don't want to have to talk about this twice, so I'll just suggest that just because you have one does not necessarily mean that you can use one. And just because you can put holes in a paper target on a range with a beer in one hand and the gun in the other <laughs> doesn't mean that you can engage a hostile target who's trying to kill you mm. under pressure. Mm. So unless your training matches what you're going to have to deal with, I'd suggest that you evaluate why you have it. And men, just because you have one doesn't make it your typical or should make it your typical excuse for why you don't go to martial arts training or self-defense training mm. in our area at least right? and I've experienced this all over the world you start talking about self-defense or martial arts and some guy will pipe up and go I'll just shoot him and my response is oh you have a gun yeah I've got one oh, let me see it well it's, a, it's at home really mine are right here not in my guns necessarily but I've got 16 body weapons at least that I'm dealing with so, and I always say the bad guy brings mine anyway. So, I always have at least the weapon he brought <laughs> when I take it away from him. <laughs> but yeah, there's there's things that people need to consider when it comes to combat handgun training, and um, uh, they need to really think about these things. Uh, or, and the same thing with their firearm, right? Uh, I ask people when they come to, to to combat handgun training, right? How many of you have a combat handgun? Mm-hmm. And hands go up. And I said, okay, now here's my criteria for a combat handgun, right? It's loaded, ready to go, and easily accessible. So, And there's a round chambered so that you are set in an instant. How many of you have a combat handgun? 90% <laughs> hands of the hands down. go back down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because, you know, we've all been convinced that, you know, it, you need to have all these safety trigger locks, all that kind of stuff on it and everything because, you know, your kid's going to find find your gun and shoot it, shoot himself. My kids have never touched mine, and they all know about them because mm-hmm. I educated them early. Right. And when they're of age, then they get to do things. But based on their age and what, you know, where they can get at it or whatever, the weapon's in a place that I can access it, but they don't even know it's there. Mm-hmm. And 
they're going to have to tear my house apart <laughs> to find it. You know, they're not going to find it because dad did the same thing everybody else does and puts it on the shelf in the closet where you see every wing nut in the, in the movies yeah. go to find their gun. So mm-hmm. the kid watches a movie and goes, I wonder if dad has a gun up there and goes to find it or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, besides that, you know, somebody breaks into my house, I don't want to have to go rooting through my closet right. to find this gun, right? Yeah. So, yeah, there's there's considerations like that that we we really need to talk about so people are clear about it. Sanshin no kata. We've I've no I've been at camps where that's been pretty much the basis for everything that we worked on over the entire weekend of right. camp. So and were I, you bored? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> and yet, the most people in the Bujinkan, because the thing is, you know, you need to train with the Sanshin every day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that these five models, right? Uh, they really are the baby steps in the art. They're the the foundational springboard. Uh, are they important? Absolutely. Are they holy? Absolutely. Is there one set of five? No. There's five models that have three levels of transmission or training that need to be looked at. And again, it's the intent behind the training that gets you somewhere. Okay. Mm. So I'm not going to be talking about the official names of these levels or whatever, but we need to talk about them so that people have some kind of idea about what they're doing and how they're training. Okay. Eye of the Tiger. Yeah, Everybody knows the song by Survivor. I'm thinking they're singing Absolutely. themselves it's playing right in now. my head yeah. right now. Yeah. Can you hear it? No, I guess not. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> um, I think I t- we talked about that a little bit in the last episode, right, when we were talking about uh, trans... Um, uh, transmission through the different belt levels and yeah. things like that, right? Yeah. So if you haven't listened to episode six, uh, shame on you. Go back and listen to it and uh, meet me back here and I'll start talking about it then. Ready? Oh, you're back already. Okay, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's about attitude and it's about, uh, you know, it, it obviously relates to our third degree black belt um, level, right? But uh, it's about it's about commitment stuff. So we're going to talk about this attitude. Uh, and I'm also going to talk about... Um, the significance of the tiger uh, in our martial training as well as a, as a symbol for the warrior. So we'll talk about that as well. Lots of good stuff coming up on this episode of Kuden. Kuden News is next. With the latest in self-defense and martial arts current events and information from around the world to you, this is Kuden News. First up, Bujinkan News. Here are some key points to know if you plan on visiting showcase classes in Japan. Those who do not belong to the Bujinkan cannot watch Soke's classes without permission. If you need permission, please talk to a Shihan at the dojo beforehand. If you are a Bujinkan member, you can watch the class. You do not have to pay for it. It is not allowed to take photos or videotape of the class during the session without previous permission by Soke, even if you are a Bujinkan member. Please do not ask Soke for a conversation or a photo unless you know him directly. Consult with a Shihan, an administrator, or a local practitioner first instead. They can help you read the situation and or facilitate the interaction given Soke's busy schedule. Please learn to read the atmosphere and use your best judgment given that atmosphere. Those who cannot read the atmosphere often cause difficulty, so please be careful. And the Tokyo Budokan, also known as Ayase, forbids eating in the dojo. Some important points to know if you plan on visiting Soke's classes in Japan. The theme for 2010 looks to be Rokan Shouju. At this time, there's been no official word yet from Soke on its meaning. But you could get your tachis ready. It looks like it will be the main weapon for 2010. In WCI News, the very popular annual training event, Daikomyosai, 
will be held January 8th, 9th, and 10th at WCI in Sunbury, Pennsylvania. This event celebrates both Shidoshi Miller's and Soke Hatsumi's birthdays. You won't want to miss out on this year's training if you are serious about mastering this ancient and powerful martial art. You must register early as space may be limited and if you plan on attending the birthday dinner celebration at a local Japanese restaurant afterwards. Be sure to check out warrior-concepts-online.com often. The website is being restructured to offer more specific information and training opportunities. The new website features areas specific to traditional nimpo training, general self-defense information, corporate workplace self-defense consulting, and more. It will now be even easier to find the information you need. For more details and information on how you can attend one of Shidoshi Miller's seminars, classes, camps, or training adventures, visit warrior-concepts-online.com or call area code 570-988-2228. We're back. It's episode 7 of Kuden. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> you missed a third eye comment. Yeah. <laughs> People are racing to think of all the different eyes that the third eye could be right now. <laughs> Talking about genetics. and <laughs> uh, Now they're really wondering what the hell we're laughing about. <laughs> if you weren't here in the studio, sorry you missed it. Had to be there. Had to be there. <laughs> handgun training and combat handgun training. World of difference. Sure. <laughs> uh, karate training, wrestling, right? Mm. Real world self-defense training. It's no different than anything else, right? I guess what would first come to mind for me is like, okay, handgun training, combat handgun training. Does this mean I have to like join the army to uh, know what it is to use a handgun in combat? Combat? No. no. The NRI, the NRA, primarily teaches handgun training, right? So uh, this is a revolver. This is an automatic or a semi-automatic pistol, right? This is the slide. This is the safety. Uh, go through this procedure for clearing your weapon. That kind of thing. These are safety procedures, right? Mm -hmm. uh, here's how to hold it. There's the target. You can sight at 6 o'clock or dead on. Trigger squeeze, breath, that kind of thing, right? It's learning how to use the tool. Uh, like in the last episode when we were talking about uh, the, the, the rank progression yeah. through the belts, right? Q-level training, okay? We're teaching you how to operate the mechanism. That's handgun training, okay? So now what are you going to do with it, right? Are you going to go to competitions, and you need to figure out how to modify your weapon or whatever so that you can do the best at, uh, you know, stationary fire, whatever it is, mm -hmm. to get the highest points possible. Again, what is your intent? Just like with martial arts training, right? Is this an aesthetic thing? Is this a, uh, I don't know, I have a superhero complex, right? Is this a um, uh, kind of a, a, an allure to this whole warrior ideal kind of thing? Or is it for real-world self-defense? Right, your training should reflect what your intention or your goal is. Okay? If it doesn't, I think a lot of people come at it backwards. Mm. They just assume that they're going to train and they're going to end up on the other end being what they want, but they never really kept the end result in mind and made sure that the training met those goals and needs along the way. Right? So right. same thing with this, right? So combat handgun training, right? Or defensive combat handgun. So what's implied in this title is... One, you're armed with a handgun or you're defending against a handgun. Either way, okay? Because I teach four pillars or four uh, areas of training and doesn't, with, when it comes to weapons, but it does, it's not limited to a handgun, but we'll talk about that, right? Um, and uh, you're probably either ducking bullets or there's the potential for bullets to be flying in your direction, 
right? Mm-hmm. So you're in the thick of things. You're in a combat situation, okay? And no amount of theory, no, ma- no amount of sitting around the kitchen table or around the dojo floor or whatever, you know, uh, talking the tough talk with your friends right, is going to prepare you for that kind of thing uh, because anybody who's ever been been in the thick of things knows that uh, what seems logical and rational when you're sitting around using the left brain and, you know, using your higher neocortex tor- cortex levels and you're theorizing, what sounds logical then is often not even in the ballpark when, you know, the defecation's in the ventilation, right? So uh, combat handgun training, the I think the biggest difference between just training with a handgun and what should be the focus of combat handgun training is uh, stress. Mm. That adrenaline dump and being able to be productive and produce results when you are you're in that fight, flight, or freeze mode. Right? The adrenaline and the epinephrine are coursing through your system. Your muscles are tight. You've lost fine motor skills. Right? Can you still put a bullet where it needs to go every time you squeeze the trigger or at least 80% of the time times that you squeeze the trigger, right? Uh, one of the things I ask my students is um, what's the primary benefit of a semi-automatic pistol over a revolver for combat handgun, okay? What's the answer? You can fire it while reloading. There you go, right? Unless you buy a Smith & Wesson and they have got a... Uh, a mag lock. Uh, right, yeah. uh, 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 Right. So if you drop the magazine, then it doesn't fire anymore, right? So uh, don't buy one of those or get it reworked or whatever, yeah. right? With a revolver, you've got to swing the magazine out, also, also known as a cylinder, right, mm-hmm. to do a reload. But that's not the typical answer I get. The typical answers I get are more bullets, right, all that kind of stuff, right? Uh, but the truth is is that if you're a lousy shot, you can't miss often enough to win, mm-hmm. right? So you don't have – it's not like a Rambo movie where – um, where the hell did all this ammunition come from? Because he's just dumping buckets of it downrange, and yet where did he get it to begin with, right? You can't possibly carry that much weight <laughs> in lead and brass casings, you know, anywhere yeah. to be able to, you know, engage the enemy. So it's this stress and being able to recognize and deal with it when you're, uh, when you're in training and then developing or either learning or developing training methods that either neutralize the stress or allow you to produce results when you're under that much stress. You ever watch these extreme videos that are on, you know, used to, used to just be America's Funniest Home videos and now you've got, you know, dash cams from police cruisers yeah. and stuff, right? Yeah. These cops are getting freaking, you know, shot because they're making mistakes walking up and squaring themselves in a window and all that and, um, you know, just not paying attention to the right things in a situation um and uh but what what uh what really fits this topic is you'll often see a gunfight happen right and they're just spraying bullets and you know two or three rounds might hit the the perpetrator but all kinds of rounds are being fired mm-hmm. and nothing's hitting its mark yeah you know, i watched one one night um guys in a snowbank and everything and luckily the bad guy was missing too yeah but a bunch of rounds were shot and finally they killed the guy but how can you fire that many bullets? Yeah. Because every time your firearm goes off, it's going to hit, that bullet's going to hit something. Mm-hmm. You know? If you're really trained and you're really skilled, it's going to hit what you intended to because everyone that misses the bad guy is going to hit something else. Hopefully it's going to be tree or ground or whatever, but... Could you know, be somebody... 
innocent bystander. What's the average range of a twenty-two um, bullet? Just a standard twenty-two. How far will it go before you have significant drop and it lands, hits the ground? Mm, maybe a few hundred yards. Two miles. Two miles. Two miles. Wow. Okay, that's a wow. twenty-two. Okay, two miles. It's our responsibility as trained individuals to be able to hit the damn target. Okay? So I don't want to hear this spray and pray kind of stuff or, you know, I carry this because I got 15 in the magazine and one in the pipe. I don't care. Yeah. Okay? One in 15 are lousy odds. Where'd the other 14 go? Where'd the other 15 go? Right? The two undertrained, the two least practiced skills. Okay? And then there's another one that's a close third skills for combat handgun is one drawing the weapon out of the holster under pressure Mm. most people pull their weapon do the loading and all that kind of stuff and then stand in a stationary or they do some moving training or whatever at the range and they engage the target okay but if he's already working on it okay you'd better be able to get that thing out and get a bullet down range as quickly as possible most people still do the movie thing where they pull it out and it takes forever for the muzzle to come online because they're doing this big, dirty, hairy kind of thing where it points up and then it goes out and mm. then they finally pull the trigger, right? I base my uh, training for my students on sword drawing where in a, with, with proper sword drawing, the scabbard's pulled off the blade as the blade's being pulled out of the scabbard, right? So mm-hmm. you get it out twice as fast. Right? right. You can do the same thing by dropping a little bit with your knees as you're drawing a weapon if it's on the holster, if it's on the hip, and drop the holster off the firearm as you're pulling the firearm up out of the holster. You don't have to lift nearly as high and lock up your shoulder. And then by dropping your elbow and rocking your wrist a little bit, you can swing the muzzle up on line and get a shot off right in front of your hip as you're bringing the weapon out into a full um, posture position, right? So, um, so there's this drawing thing, right? The other one that's hardly ever practiced is um, instinctive shooting, okay, where you're shooting without using your sights, okay? And the problem with that is that people don't understand that sighting and neutralizing recoil and all that kind of stuff, okay, is more about your grip and your posture than it is about anything else okay you must be able to get that muzzle back on a target as quickly as possible so in a level one program i teach people how to uh, use grip and posture and things like that to keep the weapon exactly where they want it okay how to match the weapon up to uh, your normal bone alignment and the way your hand works so that you can literally point with a knuckle that's running parallel to the to the frame Mm. all of us are able to point with our fingers so if you're able to do that then wherever you're pointing the bullet's going to go Okay, because all you have to do is extend and point at your target, right? Mm-hmm. I guess so once you have all the mechanics in place of that, then right. you can get to that instinctive mode of being able to point and shoot without having to take the time to line the sights up. Right, it's, a, it's, a, it's a part of your mechanical training, right? Learn yeah. how to hold it properly to begin with. Uh, you know, there's always the possibility where you have to take a weapon away from somebody else and then use mm. their weapon. I would never suggest that. If you take a weapon away from somebody else and you have one, still use yours. Okay, you use yours because you know how it works. You know whether it's loaded or not. You may take the, a weapon away from somebody and draw down on them, and they rush you and drive you into the ground and beat you into unconsciousness because they knew it wasn't loaded to begin with, mm. right? Or even if it was loaded, they know that you know, a firing pin's broken or whatever. They know that weapon. You don't, right? right? So 
use yours. Okay. Um, but the, the close third is the reloading procedure. Okay. Do you know what's found in most dead police officers' pockets when they're killed in the line of duty during a gunfight? Mm. Empty Fair. bullet car- cartridges mm. or the magazines, mm. the clips. You know where that comes from? Range training. Hmm. I watched it when I was a cop and training and stuff like that. Uh. They don't want to have to do the cleanup on the range afterwards. Too damn lazy to bend down and pick up the stuff. So yeah. what they do is they do the reload where they drop the stuff into their hand and then put it in their pocket and then grab the, the new thing and, and put it in the weapon. Yeah. Right? Guess what? You're going to you're going to act as that exactly as you trained when the defecation's hitting the ventilation. Mm. So make sure that what you put in is what you want to come out, right? And it's going to be coming out when you're not thinking about the thing step by step. Whatever's in there is going to come rushing out because that's what's there. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's why uh, you know a lot of martial artists. I mean, they've got this, they've got these this kata training going on, but when they when they switch over to doing sparring, right, they look like everybody else. They look like two six year olds in a sandbox dressed up like marshmallow men bouncing off of each other because there's no strategic anything. Mm-hmm. They didn't learn anything from the kata. They didn't learn anything from these examples, right? So. Um, there, there's nothing in there. So what what's in there is from fight movies or there's nothing. So what comes yeah. out is, you know, like the, the old uh, computer programmer thing, garbage in, garbage out. Mm-hmm. Right? It's what you get. <clears throat> so what you really need to think about is, is what, you, what you have to be able to do. So uh, with this instinctive shooting, what I was talking about with keeping things online, uh, at level one, they learn how to do this. At level two, I introduce different dynamics. Those different dynamics are double tapping, Engaging the target twice every time you pull the trigger. So now you need to understand how the weapon works so that you don't fully disengage the trigger. There's a point after you pull the trigger that you only have to move your finger a little bit, and the internal mechanism, at least in a, in a semi-automatic, you'll when you're just training and you're not having to worry about, you know, not dying, mm-hmm. you can you can listen and feel for this, and there's a click where it resets, and you can pull the trigger again, and it, the trigger hasn't come hasn't swung out all the way, right? Mm. So that's important to be able to get that down range. But what's even more important for double tapping is the ability to neutralize all three types of recoil. Okay? Yes, there's three types of recoil. Right? I get that, that strange look every time I get cops or security people or whatever to come to my, my training. And I, my, one of my first questions is, how many types of recoil are there? How many types of recoil? What the hell are you talking about? Okay? Well, there are three things that happen to that weapon when it's discharged based on the physics mm-hmm. of the discharge, the explosion in the in the chamber, right? The bullet moving through the rifling. Okay. Mm. And there's all the kind of, there's all the stuff going on. Okay. Most people just try to hold on to the weapon tighter with their fist. When in reality, what you need to be able to do is neutralize vectoral or linear recoil, which is pushing back into your shoulder, mm-hmm. right? Uh, spiral recoil, which is actually trying to flip the weapon over against the rifling mm. as the bullet's being pressed through that, right? Because mm-hmm. it's a tight fit. Mm-hmm. You get rifling on a bullet because it gets formed through that channel, right? Yeah. And then there's rotational recoil where most people think of the kick where the, where the muzzle goes up, mm. okay? But your, the importance of or the ability to do that is to, in direct proportion to your grip, okay, and how, how properly you have it. And I don't mean how tightly you have it, how you have that weapon encased so it's, it's in your hands and then your posture, 
Mm. Okay. So, and then at level two, we also talked about being able to move and fire and then the different ranges because the average, the average combat distance for a handgun is 21 feet or seven yards. Okay. So within that 21 feet, I always teach people that you have, just rely on instinctive shooting, point and click or point and shoot. Okay. If you need to sight, if you need to use your sights within mm-hmm. a seven yard distance, um, you know what? <laughs> you just, it's, it's, it's too close. The guy doesn't need very much, right? Um, beyond that, yeah, then, you know, you need to be able to use sights. But the ability to move moves to footwork now. So we use our yokoruki, our sideways walking, or you know, ichimonji walking, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Because the important thing is when you're moving to not have bounce or sway in your upper body because that's going to move the gun all over the place while you're, while you're moving. So your footwork needs to be able to move you from point to point without causing bounce or sway. So... The, the muzzle's not all over the place. Right. right. So the ability to keep the muzzle aligned with the target and engage and make sure that you're hitting what you're after every time. And then with combat handgunning also, we're not looking at um, just a silhouette being up there or just a, um, I don't know, a, a bullseye target or for points or, or whatever. Uh, we have a kill zone target that's a 4-inch wide by 11-inch strip that goes uh, on a certain part of the torso and um, for my students, their goal is to be able to put to to have their shot group under pressure uh, in a four inch uh, area, four by four inch area. Mm. So um, because your your job is to shut this person down, so you need to remember what what it is that you're doing. And a lot of these myths that are out there that we see in movies and all that, you know, like the the cops got the gun on the bad guy, and the bad guy's got the gun down by his side, and the cops tell him to drop it, and the bad guy in slow motion makes that last-ditch attempt to, mm-hmm. to shoot him, right? And, of course, the good guy does what? Shoots him dead. Right. doesn't work. I can prove 10 out of 10 times that the best you're going to get is mutual death because action's faster than reaction, and if I don't care if you... And we do this in training as well. Mm-hmm. We'll have the person right there on the mark, and all they have to say is bang. They don't even have to engage muscle. All they mm-hmm. have to just say is bang. Right, and the best you ever get is mutual death. Okay, um, but almost always, the one who moved first, guns down there by his side. It's not even on target and stuff. Mm-hmm. He gets the bang off first. Mm. So a lot of the stuff is just you know we're culturally conditioned by myths and beliefs uh, that were perpetrated by people who haven't actually had to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay, just makes sense. Now, there's a lot here, but and people, I'm sure, have questions, and they can they can email you those questions, but they can also get a lot more of this through your DVD series. Absolutely. We've got a, a three-DVD set called Surviving Under Fire. Uh, volume 1 is about the live fire stuff, um, gun on gun, that kind of thing. And then uh, Volume 2, I think, is Disarms. Um, and, then, again, this is all built around those four pillars, right? The four pillars for any kind of weapons training is first one is familiarization. So there's your grips and how the weapon works and your stances or postures or whatever, right? Um, just basically being familiar with it, kind of like a magician carrying around a deck of cards for a couple of weeks to really get the feel for it and move things around, do single-hand, double-hand cuts and all that. Mm-hmm. not trying to do any tricks yet, just trying to get a feel to where this is very, very natural and I'm not cumbersome and I'm not uh, you know, uncoordinated with this thing, mm-hmm. right? And then there's uh, striking or shooting or whatever, target engagement with the with the weapon, okay? And then you've got disarms, how to take one away from somebody else, and retention, how to hold on to your own. So volume two in this set is um, the disarms, uh, where you, you 
whether you're armed or not, your weapon isn't out and you got to take somebody else's away. And then volume three is retention where yours is out and he makes a, he makes a dash for your weapon and you need to be able to use uh, good strategic movements to mm-hmm. not have to fight muscle for muscle to get that muzzle back online, uh, whether he's still holding on to it or not to be able to, uh, to win. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's a good course. And, um, normally it's, it's, they're sold for, I don't know, what is it, 40 bucks each or whatever. And I've got them on online right now, um, just for like the next, uh, couple of days for 77 and change for the whole three set. And wow. we're throwing in a kill zone target and all that kind of stuff for it. So absolutely get there and get it. Um, otherwise I'm putting the price back up. Great, great information. Extremely valuable information. Make sure you get a hold of that. Check out the website, warrior-concepts-online.com. And if you do have questions, warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. Coming up next on Kuden, Sanshin no Kata. Available now from Warrior Concepts International. Fight smarter, not harder. The new ebook from martial arts master Jeffrey Miller. Learn from Master Miller's 30-plus years of experience as a police officer, undercover investigator, private detective, and bodyguard. On the street, there are no rules, no time limits, and no referee. It has to work. Fight Smarter, Not Harder cuts through the clutter of misinformation, theories, and outright crap that others try to pass off as self-defense. Get the true guidance you need to be ready. Really ready. Get Jeffrey Miller's new ebook, Fight Smarter, Not Harder. Recently expanded by popular demand from a 26-page report to a full 114-page ebook. Log on now to warrior-concepts-online.com and download it instantly. Plus, find out how you can get it for free. Fight smarter, not harder. Available now. We're back on this seventh episode of Kuden. Now to discuss the Sanshi no Kata. What do you want to know? Everything. Not happen. <laughs> Not in this short little Not segment. Not in this short little segment. Come to camp. Come to, you know, I don't know. Call me up and say, hey, come visit me, and uh, I want to pay for private training. Okay, I'll teach you anything you want to know, uh, unless I don't know it. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Sanshin no Kamai. Uh, what does Sanshin mean again? Uh, beginner's heart. Yeah, three hearts. Three hearts. San is three, right? Uh-huh. But you're supposed to train with the heart of a beginner, that kind of thing, right? Um, but there are these five basic models. Most people in the Bujinkan uh, know what they are. Well, I used to believe that until I was in tra- uh, training in Japan and ran into a couple of six degrees and stuff where we were working on a technique, and they were having a problem at a certain point in the technique. And I said, oh, right here, they're trying to do an onikudaki, and the guy slips it and stuff, and they went, onikudaki, what is that? You're a six-degree black belt, onikudaki, you know, the shoulder dislocation. Oh, is that one of those basic techniques? I know I should know it, but uh, how would you get the six-degree with it? Well, because rank is subjective, and they don't uh, do it the same way we do here. So go to training for six months, and you get done. Anyway, I'm not going to get into that. <laughs> anyway, I digress. <laughs> anyway, so Sanshin, you're supposed to train with the, the harder beginner, right? But there are these five models that most people are familiar with. I'm not sure that most people understand that the models are progressive and that there are three levels of transmission or three areas of study with these five models, okay? So that's what I want to talk about today, okay? Because, you know, we're always stepping outside the box and giving people a reason to say, hmm, what's up with that? Yeah. Right? Um, so these five models, right? We have uh, Chinowaza, Chinokata, Sinowaza. Kanawaza, right? They're basically named after the Godai, right? Mm-hmm. So those people that say that Stephen Hayes invented the five elements, um, uh, why is the Godai named this? Right? Yeah. Anyway, so um, 
just let's just start with the basic level. The basic transmission has to do with mechanics, okay? Okay. Posturing and things like that. But each of these models has three key lessons or three key important components that you should be focusing on when you're doing them, okay? So, and they're progressive. What I mean by that is that chinokata is the first one for a reason. Mm. Kunowaza or kunokata is the last one for a reason, okay? And that is that each kata presupposes that you have the skills from the previous one or ones. Okay. Okay? So sunowaza assumes that you have the posturing, footwork, and understanding about the basic swinging striking mm-hmm. okay, from Chinawaza so that you build on it and then you can add something to it. Okay, So Chinawaza is about striking while you're walking. Just basic, natural, the use of gravity with that arm swing, that kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Just placement. Uh, there's no counter strike in that one. The lead hand is out in the Shoshin no Kamai, right? Shoshin means beginner's heart. Ah. That's where you got the beginner's heart thing, right? So Shoshin beginners it's just a basic bladed profiled covered kind of position um teaches the the three fundamental uh, fundamental keys of um of kamai of positioning right and then there's the striking with walking okay there's actually three stepping patterns right uh-huh. striking while we're stepping forward striking while we're stepping back and doing that step change so that we can hold our position and still deliver a strike okay um sunawaza then puts in the receiving hand, the receiving arm or the, the counter-striking uh, with the lead arm, mm-hmm. right? And then how to do that yokoruki kind of uh, shizen to ichimonji transitional stepping, mm-hmm. right? And to properly deliver a uh, uh, omote shito, okay? And along the way, between those two, you're learning the formula for proper taijutsu, which is legs first, Torso second, limbs last, right? Mm-hmm. So the energy and movement comes up from the ground and out, not the other way around, okay? And Kanawaza um, really focuses on spine twist, okay, and holding position. You move to a position of safety at the edge of the kukan and hold that position, move, and shift yourself into another position so you can do that udashito, right, mm-hmm. that palm down knife hand. Um, Funawaza moves it on to where now you're looking at a parrying kind of thing and going around firmer energy to come in. So it's basically um, chinowaza mm-hmm. with a receiving or parrying kind of thing happening in there. And then the strike comes around laterally because you're learn- you're really focusing on striking from the spine, mm. kind of like that drum, you know, with the little strings on it, with the little thing. Right. If you turn it and if you're, if you're holding it plumb, if you're holding it straight up and down and you rotate it, you get a really good rhythm, right? Yeah. If it's off, it, it, things are all over the place, right? <laughs> if you need reference for that, see Karate Kid 2. Right. Yeah. But in Kano Waza, that's where you learn how to rotate your body around your spine mm-hmm. so that you move around your spine and not have your spine teetering yeah. like an off-balance top, right? So that when you get to Funawaza, you can do this rotational thing, and now you're so good at rotating your your uh, torso around your spine that you can allow that energy to, to move out into your limbs much like swinging a rope and, and it straightens out on you. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now you can generate that with your fist. And then with Kunawaza, remember last episode? Okay. Mm-hmm. Kunawaza is your introduction to Kyojutsu Tenkan. Uh-huh. Okay. Where you receive that incoming punch, throw a distracting hand, right? And then kick. Mm. Okay. So it's your introduction to Kyojutsu Tenkan. 
Okay. But that's just first level transmission because you're learning to position yourself for balance, stability, and the use of cover. The three fundamental keys of, of Kumai, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you move around and do these things? But it's very mechanical. Okay. Second level transmission, the models are exactly the same, but now you're focusing on these elements as we train at the school with earth being very stable and strong. So when I do my strike now, I'm doing my strike with the dynamics of a wrecking ball being on the end of a chain. So if the crane is moving at an odd timing, all you get is, you know, the, the all the energy kind of gets dissipated. The, the ball's in the wrong place. It's not stretched out from the chain or the cable or whatever. You can imagine, imagine this wrecking ball kind of thing, right? Mm -hmm. So there's this timing to, again, the footwork leads to the spine work. So the stuff I picked up along the way in the mechanics now is going to be very instrumental in the whole dynamic thing mm. as we're moving along from Chinoaza. You can try to do these things out of order, but it doesn't work really well because you have to have the mechanics, timing, balance, and all that before you can start putting some extra juice into your techniques and still produce results. Okay, mm -hmm. Because the key in Taijutsu is to be able to do the minimum energy necessary to produce the maximum effect. Okay. When I go to Japan, uh, this last time, uh, I was, people kept telling me that I was trying to, I was being too powerful. I was being too strong with my technique. And, oh, uh, that must be that old school stuff. <laughs> went and talked to one of the Shihan about it. And he went, really? Your Taijutsu is what? And I said, I told him what, what, you know, people said, too much power. And I said, I was always taught that when I'm doing it right, I shouldn't feel like I'm working at all, but on the other end, they should feel like I just dropped a cinder block on whatever target I was touching, uh -huh. right? So it should feel powerful, but I'm not doing the conventional power muscling, slamming kind of things. That's just the, the end result. Mm -hmm. And he said, well, that's right. And I said, well, that's being mistranslated because there's this typical training where everybody's just playing and everything is soft and all that and he said oh yeah yeah of course it's that we had to make it that way because nobody wants an international incident because we heard a foreigner who came over here to train uh. Uh, gotcha but those who are training to get this whole idea with this relaxed energy the assumption is, is if you're training in a relaxed slow way your strikes shouldn't have anything behind them there's this like light tapping and all that kind of stuff going on. That's just not true at all, right? Now, you can pull back on these things, but what we have is a whole generation of people that um, I think that subconsciously, unconsciously, or consciously are just really freaking happy that they found a martial art they can get high rank in and not have a not have an aggressive bone in their body and not want to get hit, hurt, or anything like that. Mm -hmm. This is not a tough guy saying that I'm not saying this because we're tough and we slam around and all that kind of stuff, but... Yeah. If you think you're going to be in the martial arts and learn how to save yourself against somebody who's trying to freaking kill you, and you're going to do that in training without getting any bruises or bumped or any discomfort or whatever, um, I don't know what world you live on, but it just doesn't work that way. Hmm. Okay? Um, so anyway, I digress again. <laughs> Get me off my soapbox. Um, anyway, so you have this Chino Waza, right? Where now you have this wrecking ball kind of idea, right? And then Suno Waza, there's this flow idea where there's this transfer of energy. So um, there isn't this stop-start motion. Mm -hmm. So it's about, right, there's many pieces to the kata, but it's one flowing motion. Mm -hmm. And you're moving the energy around so that... 
everything transitions smoothly and there's not a loss of power there's actually a gain of power so as the person punches and you shift away and receive the arm that backwards receiving retreating kind of motion naturally rolls over into a forward motion that's used to lever there the arm that you controlled and naturally turns into that shto to where it's it's very much like an ocean wave right mm-hmm. you learned how to do that right yeah so uh, the uh, the dynamic of water here is like the power that the ocean has when it slowly pulls back, rolls over itself. The ocean doesn't go, step one, freeze. Step two, it's a wave. Step three, it crashes. <laughs> it doesn't do that. No. There's this natural movement of energy, and that's what we're talking about there, right? Kanowaza, very quick, light on your feet, shift into position, bang, that kind of thing, where um, you're able to move around very light, very lightly, very quickly, and get things in there, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Funawaza, more carefree and effortless, where you're controlling them. It's a little bit more pull on their balance to to pull them in as you as you uh, as you do your your technique, so that they're off balance when you strike them. You get the idea, right? Mm-hmm. And then the next level of transmission up is um, doing it from a combat position to where. It's, you're not doing it solo. You have a partner, and they're attacking, and you're fitting this stuff in, mm-hmm. and then you introduce weapons and things like that. So you could literally use the Sanchin to reinvent all the techniques in the Bujinkan if you apply that with the Kianapo idea that, that you're supposed to make eight variations of each technique and then eight variations of that. and eight vari- So eventually, all your models disappear into this whole soup where they're all just potentials like everything else. Hmm. Right, so the Sanchin is is very very powerful, but at the same time, uh, we have to be really really careful that we're not just looking at these models or this whole concept of Sanchin as if you're not doing Sanchin, you know, this way, uh, then you're not doing it right. If mm. you're, you know, so um, yeah, people need to remember that, as especially in our martial art, every lesson is should be seen from its essence, right. Uh, of course, use the model because the model's a vehicle to convey a lesson. But we've got lots of models that convey the exact same lessons. They just look different. But you're mm-hmm. doing the exact same thing as you control the fight. So as they would say in Buddhism, the form is what the emptiness or what the principles and concepts, what reality looks like. Mm-hmm. Okay, But behind all that, right, the, the same thing, the same soup and... And molecules and all that that make up the leg of a chair makes up our hand and all that kind of stuff. Okay? We're not going to get into spark of life and all that, but you get the idea, right? So um, we want to make sure that we're not stopping at the foot of the path. I heard that once, that, you know, with Mm -hmm. all these things, kicks and punches and strategies and all that kind of stuff that somebody could learn, why are so many martial artists content with stopping at the foot of the path, which is Shodan, right? Beginner level, right? Right. So um, everything is progressive. So uh, it's kind of like uh, transcendental meditation. Transcendence means to go beyond the current level. So wherever you are, transcend that, okay? So once you get something, instead of assuming that you've got it, the question should be, what's next, okay? How can I make this more smooth? How can I drop more unnecessary movement? Right? How does this apply if it's if I'm against one attacker with a weapon or one attacker and I've got the weapon? Or how do I, you know, use the same thing? And once people really get a handle on Sanshin, then all their other kata become reflections of Sanshin and you go, holy crap, this one's, you know, Chinowaza, Kanowaza, and Kunowaza put together. This one is, hmm. you know, and an example of that, um, is going from Sanchin, which is Gyokoryu, right, mm-hmm. up into Kionapo, at least the striking ones, right, Gyokoryu, right, and looking at which Sanchin 
are in this model, right? Ichimonji no kata is suinoaza, right?、Mm-hmm. But it's done with more flow, and now you're against another person and things like that. So it's kind of that third level transmission. But specifics now, we're adding pressure points, we're adding a certain spot to hit, that kind of thing to get different reactions, right? Hicho no kata is kunoaza with a kick in it. Hmm. Right? Yeah. Right? They're, they're throwing a punch. You're going to heat show as you retreat instead of just pulling back into Shoshin and doing that receiving arm.、Mm-hmm. You're going to heat show. You throw a kick as the distraction instead of flipping your hand up in place.、Mm-hmm. And then you move in with the Urashito from Kanowaza. So, and there's the spine twist and everything. So it's Kunowaza and Kanowaza. Mm. Combined together. So people need to be able to see beyond the form. Otherwise, we, we're no different than any other martial art that's fixated on kata. All we have are things that look different and we're back in the style debate, right?、Mm. Look at the function behind the form. Look at what's really going on and not just what it looks like. Okay? Yeah. How's that? That's great. And, and, I know there's going to be questions, and you can send them in to warriorc at warrior-concepts-online.com. But a great way to, to really get a handle on this information、uh, is、uh, come to camp, come to classes, find out more information on how you can get signed up with those at the website warrior-concepts-online.com. And if you can't make a camp or you can't make a class, try to grab one of the videos. I believe it's Fall Camp 05 that has the Sanshin. Uh, that, that was focused on at camp. So yeah, if you、yeah. really want to get a hold on it. And we really got off track with a lot of that raw video. I mean, we shoot all the camps and things like that. We got off track because I, you know, my major techie guy,、uh, took a job somewhere else and moved out of the area. And it's been kind of tough getting all this stuff together, right?、Mm-hmm. You worked on one. Life gets in the way for, for folks. So we're trying to get caught up on these things so that we can get them out. Um, but I'm also going to be developing some online courses and things where people will be able to,、uh, get it as streaming video or, you know, download PDF background booklets and things like that with it.、Wow. So, We're working on it. So, if anybody out there has any, you know, techie knowledge and, you know, you're interested in、uh, maybe discussing a joint venture or something to where, you know, we'll talk about the business or whatever on the, the business end of it, but、uh, where you can help me put these things together and get the information out,、uh, that's, you know, that's what you guys are working on, right? So,、yeah. um, we can do that. And, you know,、um, hopefully by the time you're listening to this, the website has been upgraded. But what I'm doing currently is、uh, reformatting everything so that. Things are easier to find on the website. I mean,、uh, going through this transition between the one site and the new site,、um, I found that I have 150 pages of information on warriorconceptsonline.com. Okay, there's tons, and sometimes it's not easy to find because I missed links here or there, or people don't know、um, how I think about how the process goes. So,、uh, the brand new webpage divides everything into the four areas of actual need to do training. Self defense training,、uh, personal development training,、uh, I'm sorry,、um, yeah, personal development training, and uh, ongoing training.、Uh, is it personal development? No, it's workplace violence training, and then、um, actual ongoing training、uh, at the dojo. So if you live in the local area or you're planning on moving into the local area so you can train with us and stuff,、um, the, the, the Uh, information about、uh, ongoing programs is in there as well.、Mm-hmm. So it just helps people navigate things a little bit. And people can, can also work on, like, if, if they're listening to Kudan or they're checking the website, they're getting interested and nothing seems to be in their area, they can get a group of people together and, and bring you to them. Absolutely. There's, there's Absolutely. ways to do that too. Yeah, my, my, my fees for private training are the same whether it's one on one or you got a group of 10 of your friends together and you all split the fee and 
either way you decide what we're training on and that's that's what we do so yeah some people do that some people come in for seminars that i have scheduled and other people uh call me up and uh, and book a private session and bring me into the area for a day or uh you know uh weekend or whatever yeah, yeah again absolutely. the email to get a hold of shidoshi miller to bring him into your area or get hooked up with camp and uh, other things that are happening with the school warrior c at warrior-concepts-online.com stick around coming up next eye of the tiger on kuden do you seek true mastery of the warrior ways of the mysterious powerful and legendary ninja if you're up to the challenge you need the new ebook becoming the master by master jeffrey miller this powerful ebook contains keys to becoming a master like the ninja's four levels of progress and development, what it means to be a true Shihan, and how mastery in the ninja arts can give you more confidence, power, and control to make every aspect of your life better. To get your hands on the keys to mastery inside the new ebook, Becoming the Master, log on now to warrior-concepts-online.com. And we're back on our last segment of uh, Episode 7 of Kudin. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, again, I'm Eric White with Shidoshi Miller, and we're talking about uh, a song everybody's probably heard, <laughs> thanks to, uh, what is it, Rock Survivor. <laughs> Survivor put out the song, The Eye of the Tiger, for that soundtrack back in, I don't know, 79 or something <laughs> it was. <laughs> and... <laughs> you weren't born, and I don't want to talk about that. That's either. right. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this this... So, not, uh, song aside, the phrase "the eye of the tiger" is is something that uh, comes up in training. It does. It does. Um, all of my all of the black belt levels have themes to mm -hmm. them, right? So uh, you know, at Shodan, one of the themes is uh, what is it? Ten thousand. Uh, Ten thousand battles. Uh, Ten thousand battles to get beginner. a beginner, right? So that's one of them, right? And then Nidon has their own, and at Sandan, one of the themes is this eye of the tiger kind of thing, and uh, that it's they're not just arbitrarily chosen, right? Do a report on blah blah blah, right? It, everything's con con congruent; it's all consistent uh, within the levels. And uh, was it last episode we talked about the rank progression and the belts and things? And I kind of touched on the different uh, things at the different Don levels, right? So mm -hmm. the eye of the tiger to me is uh, a really good representation of that advanced fire which has to do with attitude commitment and direct action okay so you think about a tiger you don't think about uh, you know this animal that's wishy-washy right it locks on and it goes and it's just there's this there's the look you know that um that says you're just not willing to go as far as i am mm -hmm. right? i know that and if you are this is going to be very interesting yeah. Okay. Because only one of us are going to walk away from this thing. Okay. Um, and uh, I don't mean to like rub across sensitive areas or whatever, but you just brushed into this because you made a comment to me uh, the other day that we've talked about this for a long time, but until you finally have an experience like the one that you had, uh, you it's 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 not understood in the same way, right? Yeah. So um, you know, can you keep going even when you don't want to keep going? You know, there was this one instruction in. Uh, uh, one of the uh, one of the uh, books that one of the uh, ninja masters from one of the uh, con organizations put out. Mm -hmm. yeah, it was a, it was a Genbu con thing, uh, but he talked about um, with training. Right, if you're really serious, right, you need you need to train to the point of regurgitation, right, and keep training. Yeah, right. Train to the point where you just you're just gonna throw up. Right. I mean, you're that. You're just going at it. Because until you can do that, 
you also have to understand the other primary concept within our art, which is that nin, that perseverance, that endurance, that, you know, I'm going to do what I can to move on, right? But this isn't just, just dumping all your energy into things with that advanced fire, right? I mean, sometimes a fire can just be, you know, a candle flame that's just using minimal energy and just holding out until... You know, you bring a torch over it and ignite a much bigger fire off that thing, right? So um, it's not always, you know, hot and destructive and all that kind of stuff. Sometimes it's just warm and compassionate and mm. expressive, that kind of thing, right? Um, but this Eye of the Tiger concept is, it, it gets down to the point of how far are you willing to go, right? Because we... We live in a culture where people are willing to argue at the drop of a hat. Sure. But they won't, they, they aren't willing to die for that belief, right? They'd rather support the troops than to go become one of the troops, right? Right. Well, that's freaking dangerous. Well, then how much do you really believe in that thing that you're spewing, mm-hmm. right? Are you willing as a warrior, because as, as far as I'm concerned, you're not a warrior unless you're willing to sacrifice everything for that thing that you say is important. Okay, And when you understand that, you really have to really do some serious soul searching to decide what's important. Okay? In my life, uh, you ask my wife, when we first when we got together, okay, I had a list. And not a list about what she had to be like, a list about what my ideal life mm. What I want it to be like, okay? And there's only like five or six things on my list that are absolute deal breakers. And this isn't just in a relationship with a woman. This is in a relationship with a friend, business associate, or whatever, right? Yeah. I have to be able to be free to express myself, right, and be authentic, right, without fear of retribution. I have to have access to teachers, so that I can continue to progress. You get the idea, right? Yeah. These are not material things. I have to have a big house and a car or whatever. Because to say that I must have these things to be happy means that if I don't get them, I won't be happy. But these other things are uh, more uh, relative to my own decision-making. Okay, If I get in, you know, involved with a person on a friendship level and things become a very... Um, one-sided relationship, right? It's not mutually beneficial anymore, and that's one of my my positives. I have five or six things where uh, I won't tolerate these things, right? And there's five or six things that I have that I must have in my ideal life. Guess what? The rest of the world is negotiable, but these things I'll fight for, okay? Or I'll reposition things, or I'll say, you know what? This isn't going to work. You're a nice person, but this just isn't going to work because... Um, I'm not playing second fiddle to your desires, guides, you know, whatever. Okay, mm-hmm. and This isn't about negotiating, but um, if you always have to negotiate, then you want something that isn't easily attainable. You know, if you have a win-lose kind of attitude, then, you know, somebody has to win and somebody has to be the loser. Okay, um, And, you know, again, you can ask my wife when I describe these things, because I discussed these things with other people as well before she and I met. Mm-hmm. And... The one thing I kept getting back was that how appreciative these people were with. They may not have liked that some of these things were on my list, but they appreciated the fact that I laid them out there. Okay, And I didn't lay them out because I wanted this person to change to be that thing. 
Okay. What I was looking for was somebody else who valued those things as well mm. so that I could find a partner. I didn't, I don't want to be browbeating somebody. I don't want them to become something else so that we can get along right. any more than I want to become something else to be the kind of person they need. No, there's somebody else out there that's already that thing. Mm-hmm. Right. So part of this is just about being direct and being authentic and being uh, also being passionate about what you do. Don't put 50 percent into things and don't also try to put 110 percent into things because that's impossible. Mm-hmm. Right. But just, you know, be can you be direct when you need to be direct? Can you commit to things? Okay, And you see that on the floor. You know, when it comes to personal development training, this is something that's that's always gotten me right. You can you can read books. I mean, behind uh, right behind Harlequin romances or romance novels, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which are at the top of the list for sales for books in our country is personal development books, mm. right? How many different ways can we write a book about how to be confident, disciplined, committed, blah, 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 mm-hmm. many, right? But people can go to seminars. They can listen to gurus talk. They can go to websites. They can read books and all that kind of stuff about personal development, about de- developing commitment, discipline, respect, um, uh, decision-making, you know, those kind of things, right? But martial arts training, if you could look at that from a personal development realm, it's real-time work. Hmm. Because if you're on the floor doing a sparring thing and somebody throws a punch and you're not able to make a decision in an instant about where to go, you get hit, right? If, you know, you're not developing a, you know, a sense of confidence and and presence and the ability to move through your life, like you at least have command over your little corner, then bad guys are going to come out of the woodwork, whether they're manipulators or, you know, the people that screw around at work and try to, you know, get your job or the actual mugger on the street. You know, it's just, it's real time stuff. Right. Discipline. If you can't practice every day, at least a little bit. And your idea of practice is you only do it when you go to class, then. You know, don't don't expect to get rich or successful at anything else, because if you can't be disciplined enough to do something that you say is important on a small level, how the hell are you going to do it when money and your life and your property and all that's at stake? Right. Yeah. Right. So this is real time training, right? The real time personal development stuff. You don't have the chance to get around to it. Right. If you can't discipline yourself enough to get to class. I'm betting I'd be willing to bet my kids college fund that you're not practicing at home either. Right. Can't make it to class twice a week. You're certainly not taking the extra 15 minutes or whatever at home Mm -hmm. um, to do other things. You get the idea? Yeah. So uh, this eye of the tiger is just something that I believe is a byproduct of all the training. Hmm. You don't just decide you're going to have the eye of the tiger and learn how to position your facial expression or your glare mm-hmm. uh, at somebody because that's just it's plastic, right? It's just a physical form with nothing behind it. I believe that this grows out of this process. And eventually you get to the, the idea or the point that most warriors get to that um, fighting should be a last-ditch thing. You know what? I'd rather enjoy the sunrise, the sunset, a hug for my child or my wife or whatever. And, um, you know, if I have to fight, I'm burning bridges and somebody's not getting up. Mm. Right. So uh, now that starts that creates a whole other delusion for the other person, because we tend to be nice and we tend to not ruffle feathers and we tend to not uh, jump into arguments or whatever. And 
that can often create the illusion that some people have where they confuse kindness with weakness. Mm. But there's a huge difference between a warrior being kind and somebody else. Okay, warriors are kind because they don't want to fight over this thing because it's silly and stupid. Yeah. Okay. Most people choose not to fight because they're afraid of getting hurt. Hmm. Or they're afraid of losing something. Okay. It's very different. Very different. If I fight, yeah, I know that something's going to get lost. So I'd prefer not to do that. You get the idea? So, yeah. but the eye of the tiger to me is this attitude of commitment and, uh, the ability to just be direct and, and, and get it done. Okay. How's that? Good. Listen to the song again. See if, uh, <laughs> see if some different things come into your head when you hear that song next time. Or, um, I didn't pick that phrase based on the t- based on the <laughs> no, song. By the way, I know. Yeah, because um, you know, I, I told you earlier that I was going to talk about the tiger just a little bit, and I think yeah. we mentioned this some, uh, somewhere in the past. In in our tradition, uh, Gyokuryu and a bunch of these other ones, there are two uh, creatures that are symbolic to the training. Right, mm-hmm. there's the tiger and the the dragon. Okay, the dragon represents social etiquette and all that kind of stuff. And I think we have a episode coming in the future where we're going to talk about the eight gates of the ninja and all that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. there's this social graces and etiquette. What the hell is that? Mm-hmm. I thought these guys were assassins who would just rather, you know, drop poison in your mouth than to say, you know, good morning or whatever, right? Yeah. Um, but these are the social graces and the, and the skills we need to be successful in day-to-day life, right, in, in society. Well, there's this whole other realm with the, with the tiger, okay? Well, the dragon back then was considered to be the strongest animal on the spiritual realm, Mm -hmm. right? Well, back then the tiger was considered to be the strongest animal on the uh, physical realm, which is ironic because there are no tigers in Japan. All they ever had was pelts and stuff like that. So Mm. that's why tigers in Japanese paintings look kind of weird. Yeah. Kind of like Sharpay. But they had it in China and, and, you know, the lessons got passed on. But the tiger is symbolic of our, warrior skills are mm-hmm. you know sword work and and those things that make us strong physically and our ability to produce results in a bad situation okay so you think about a tiger tigers tend to not negotiate yeah tenders uh, tigers tend to not i mean when when it's on it's on right and it's just all mauling and it's pretty grotesque yeah right so <laughs> it's that idea i don't mean that you have to be that kind of person but what you have to do is be very very clear about you know, if I'm in a fight, this is this is not the time for fair fights. This is not the time for etiquette. This is not the time for bureaucracy. Uh, you know, uh, the the belief is that if we're at war, then all of that other stuff has already failed. All yeah. that's left now is one of us is going to win. That's I was going to I was going to say too when uh, when I kind of did some research on this, I didn't have a tiger obviously to to watch, but I did watch my my cat. Yes, for for this whole kind of. To physically see the whole commitment idea and the cat. You watch a cat and it's just playing or jumping after something. I mean, it really locks in and it's all about whatever it's going after. And it doesn't stop and start and fake out or anything. When it goes, it cats across the other side of the hall. And Right. Is that the only time the cat's committed? No. Have you ever tried to call a cat to you and it didn't want to come? Yeah, yeah most of you. the time, right? Absolutely, because the cat is committed to what it's doing. Yeah. And if it's just laying around napping, no amount of baiting, you know, you want to touch me or whatever, you got to come to me. Yeah. Right? I'm committed to this nap. <laughs> exactly. I want a nap. I don't want to vacillate. I'm not 
this or that or maybe or oh, okay, I'll come to you. Yeah. That's the dog. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. The cat is, and if the cat wants cat love or whatever, you know, as my wife calls it, right? Uh, it doesn't matter how important that thing is on your laptop that you're working on. The cat comes across and will lay down on the keys and look at you with some purring going on like, uh, yeah, it's touching time now. <laughs> I'm committed to you giving uh-huh. me love. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> right. And you have to physically move that cat if you, you know, need to do something else. So it's not just about the attacking, but it's whatever is being done in the moment, that's what I'm committed to do and get done. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's not. this is not all about warfare. This is about can you be fully awake and alive and present in the moment and be committed to that thing? Mm. Right? Um, and, and I, I know I pull from these quotes a lot, but I'm going to finish up with the, uh, there's a quote in Buddhism uh, when uh, you're learning meditation, right? You know, to be able to do these things and put your attention on whatever it is that you're doing. Right. So uh, if you're and, and the, the, the saying is like uh, when you sit, sit, when you stand, stand, when you walk, walk. But either way, don't wobble. Mm. OK. People are often instead of committing to the one thing they're doing, their minds off on something else. or they're all over the place. And okay, it's just it's that's not that pinpointed. I'm here. Yeah. OK. You know, uh, when you're hugging your significant other, do they know that you're fully present when they're doing that? Okay. My wife knows when I'm not. My wife knows when I'm giving her a hug because she needed a hug and I'm really off somewhere else. And she'll say it, you know. Yeah. You you need to get something done, don't you? Absolutely. Okay. Um, well, can I have a hug? And I'll take a couple of seconds right there with her and stuff, but I got to go. Okay. Um, can, but can you do that? Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, can you not just have it accidentally happen because you're watching the football game and that's the only time your mind falls away into this thing to where nothing else exists? Right. Can you be where and who you need to be when you need to be that thing? So how's that? That's awesome. Oh, you can you. review oh my God, a lot. I thought I was going to get it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> if you got it wrong, I would not know. It. Let's let's put it. Well, I blow smoke really well, don't I? <laughs> Where there's smoke, there's fire. Oh, look at that! Hey, the eye of the tiger, fire. Excellent. Great lessons, <laughs> and we've got some more great lessons coming up in the next episode of Kudin. So be sure to look for it soon. Uh, ground fighting. Help! I fall into that. What to do? What to do? And also, uh, Ninja no Hachimon, the eight gates of the ninja. You've touched on this in a couple episodes leading up to it, so. Right. We'll get into it in the next episode here. And also, Godai versus the Gogyo. What? Yeah, I've got some articles floating around out there on the Internet uh, from a long time ago, and I'll talk about those. Um, but there are these five-element systems that mm-hmm. are out there, and they come from different places. And uh, I know this is a taboo topic for a lot of people in the Bujinkan, but um, you know, because they're not being taught today, when the reality is that a long time ago they didn't have to be taught because that was just a natural part of the way culture and everything was organized everybody knew this stuff now the modern japanese may not but watch any anime everything remember uh, captain planet from a long time ago and yeah. a bunch of these things right these freaking elements keep popping up right they, mm-hmm. and they, they're all combined to create a lot of power and stuff like that so even in these uh, cartoons that were created for the west the symbology is all over the place and yet you know People are constantly dismissing this stuff because so-and-so who went to Japan to train or whatever uh, made it up or whatever. He didn't make it up, okay? He realized that, or these people realized that this was kind of an alien thing for us as far as being able to 
to think about the world on an energy level or emotional level or whatever. So um, here were these here were these models. We didn't have to reinvent the model. We just borrow ones that have already you know been working for centuries. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, we'll talk about those um, because often two things happen: either the elements are juxtapositioned where they're confused, where one model is given the other's name, or um, they're just smashed together and you end up with a, a set of five that are really a mixture of a couple from each each level. So, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll talk about those. Lots of great stuff coming up on the next episode of Kudin. Look for it. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening to Kudin, the podcast for self-defense and martial arts news, interviews, techniques, and history. For more information on upcoming martial arts seminars, camps, and classes, call 570-988-2228 or log on to www.warrior-concepts-online.com. That's 570-988-2228 or www dot warrior dash concepts dash online dot com.